welcome to church tonight. If you want to get up, we're going to welcome the Lord in. Who am I that you are mindful of me? That you hear me when I call? Is it true that you are thinking of me? How you love me? It's amazing. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Who am I? Who am I that you are not full of me? That you Good evening. Did anybody come into the house of the Lord expecting a blessing from Him tonight? I know we could be depressed about the cold weather. We could be upset about the Bengals losing today. But I came into the house of the Lord tonight expecting the Lord to work in my life, needing the Lord to work in my life, anticipating the Lord to work and move in, in my life and in this service tonight. And I hope you came the same way. I hope you came anticipating. We wanted to welcome you here tonight, and we're so thankful that you're here, so thankful that you're, we're able to see you, pray with you, 
be a part of your life and what God is going to do tonight. If you would, make your way out of your seats and greet one another in the house of the Lord tonight. Cry out to, we cry out to, we cry out. 
resolutions. I'm not. It's just not really what I do. But this year, if I do anything, if I resolve to do anything, is to love myself less and to love him more. Because when we do that, there's no stopping what he will do in your life. If you're someone who wants to get close to him, who wants to draw near, who wants to be used of him, let me tell you how to do that. Love him more. Because when he sees a people that loves him more than their things, more than their life, more than their cares and their concerns, those are the people he wants to get around. So in 2015, Lord, I want to love you more, more than I love myself, because sometimes I love myself a whole lot. Sometimes I focus on myself a whole lot. Every day this year, first thing I'm going to do, love me less. I love you more. Because when I love him more, I love his people more. I love his work more. God, Lord, we love you tonight. 
God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for loving us even when our focus isn't always on you. Thank you for giving us a new day, a new year to love you more, to love you better, to pursue you more. our ministers, they're here to pray for you.
to worship you. We've come to honor you in this place. It's our desire that heaven would come. We desire to be in your presence tonight. Father, we love you. As that you administer to your people. Lord, that you'd have your way in this service. We thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. For all that you're doing in us and that, for all that you're going to do through us this year. Lord, we want to love you like we've never loved you before. We want to honor you like we've never honored you before. We want to serve you like we've never served you before. That this year would be a year, Lord, that people would see a change in us. People would ask questions, what's going on in that place? It's because we want to have more of you and less of us. We honor you and we thank you for your presence, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Ushers are coming to serve us tonight as we continue with our worship. Pastor mentioned not too long ago 
about a testimony that I shared last year. This might be an annual thing for me. It's kind of a funny thing that I'm up here and that I'm praying for the offering. So when I started out in my Christian walk, I really struggled with giving. I had a real hard time with giving. I just couldn't understand why God needed our money. The Lord has a way of using people to work in us. I went to a Bible study and they happened to be talking about giving. And I started to get upset and I was about ready to leave. But I decided I was gonna let this study group leader have it. I told him, I can't understand why you guys are always asking for money. God doesn't need our money. He created everything. I just don't understand why we're constantly asking and talking about giving and, and money. One of the senior gentlemen's there looked over at me and with a real compassionate face. And he said, son, you have it all wrong. He said, let me help you. He said, in Genesis, God said that he created man and that he created man in his image and that he was pleased with that. And he says, as you grow in your relationship with the Lord, he says, as you go from chapter to chapter, page to page, book to book, says when you go from the front to the back of the Bible, he says you're gonna see two things that stand out about God's character. Two things over everything else that stands out. He says one, you're gonna see that God's a lover. And he said two, you're gonna see that he's a giver. And he said since he made me in his image, he said I wanna be a lover. I wanna be a giver. Because when people see me, I want them to see my God. And I'm telling you, that ripped down to my core. So I give now because my God first gave to me. And I give because he is a lover. I've felt his love in my life. Have you felt his love in your life? He's given and supplied everything I've ever needed. He'll always be there for me. He'll never fail me. He's not failed you last year, and he sure won't fail you this year. Amen? Let's pray and give him honor tonight. Lord, we thank you. Lord, because you've always been faithful, because you are a lover and you are a giver. Lord, you give to us even when we don't deserve it. And you love us when we don't deserve it. Lord, you're always there for us. You're always providing for us. You're always caring for us. We thank you for that. Tonight, we honor you, and we give back to you just a portion of what you've given us. We can never repay you for everything you've given to us, but we can honor you by reflecting your characteristics to others. When we give to you tonight, we love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
It's never ending, it's all consuming. tonight? Can you give honor to the Lord who loved you so much that he pulled you out of sin and gave you a brand new life? I want you to stand with me tonight, if you will, all over the congregation. I want you right where you are, if you would, take just a moment. I don't know what all you got on your mind. I don't know how the day has gone for you. I don't know what drove you to be here tonight. Maybe you're half in, half out. Maybe you're here all in. But I want you right now, wherever you are standing, I want you to just privately, just you and God, I want you to lift your hands and give the Lord praise in this place. I want you to begin to love on Him. I want you to begin to praise Him and love Him from your heart. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We honor you, Lord. We thank you that you first loved us, God. We give you honor and we give you praise tonight in this house. We love you, God, that you're a real God who's in love with your people. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you all of the honor tonight. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I want you to get ready to sing that again. We're going, we're going to preach, don't worry. But I feel what I've had laid on my heart while we were worshiping is I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say that there are people that are here tonight that have got to have something from me. They can't leave here tonight without something from me. And I, I want you to know that God, He's here. He's here on a Sunday night. He's here on a Sunday night when the roads are bad. He's here tonight when it's sleeting outside and you come all the way out to His house. And He's not going to let you leave in want. He's going to let you leave out of this place tonight knowing that He knows where you are. I'm going to say it again. He knows where you are. I want you, if you will, I want you to sing that again. I feel a little direction. You. You were the first one. Yeah. 
How many of you know He loves you tonight? God loves you tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Go on and brag on your God. Brag on God. Hallelujah. We brag on you, Lord. We honor you tonight in your house. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Listen to this. While we were sitting here in the praise and worship, and thank you all, you've done a wonderful job tonight, leading us into the presence of the Lord. Don't you love it when you get lost in the presence of the Lord? Thank you. Don't go, don't go too far. Stay close. While I was sitting here on the front row, the Lord directed me. He said, go to Isaiah 35. And I was like, okay. I opened up my Bible real quick. Jeff, I didn't really know what I was looking for. I just knew Isaiah 35. When I got to Isaiah 35, he said, go ahead and read it. I started reading it, and then he stopped me. He said, there, that's for somebody in this house tonight. I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you something from the Lord. Now, you can receive it or not receive it. You can say that preacher up there is full of hot air. Or you can receive it as a word from the Lord for you. How many of you know this scripture was given to us for our life? It was given to us to help us, to strengthen us. It's our guidebook. The Bible says that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Listen to what he says. Receive this tonight. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble needs. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habits, in the habitation where he will lay shall be grass and needs, reeds and rushes. And an highway shall be there and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. He is going to come through for you. He, is, he knows where you are. He has got your number. God is aware and He is God. He is God and He is going to perform His word in your life. If you receive that tonight, I want you to give Him a round of applause and thanks. I want you to give Him glory and honor tonight. I believe God is speaking to your heart. He loves us. Oh. How he you loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us.
Did you know that the Lord, that He is God of miracles? Do you know what a miracle is? It's something, Josh, impossible. Hopeless. Helpless without supernatural intervention. You see, I, I'm not going to tell you, you got your miracle. I'm not going to do that because I'm a man. And I can't perform miracles. But I am in touch with the one who gave us his word. He put the rainbow out on the dusk on the edge of a storm. And he brings the sun up in the morning and the moon out at night. That God who created the earth in all of its fullness, that God who created every living thing, including you, that God says, I am a God of the supernatural. I'm a God of miracles. He's a God of the impossible. He can come through. When he says he'll save you, he says to them who are fearful, to them that the knees are weak, he says, if you're afraid, understand and know I'm coming to your rescue. I'm coming to rescue you, save you, and I'm going to deliver you. He's going to do it. God can do it. God can do it. I've seen him do it time and time and time again. I'm not talking about seeing something on some television show where it can't be proven. I'm not talking about a bunch of hype. I'm talking about, I've seen miracles in my life. How many of you tonight would testify and say, I have seen it for myself. I've seen the miracles of God. I've seen him do the impossible. I'll never forget the night. I was at my house and many of you know that my mother has been gone about five years now, but three years prior to her, her passing, I was at my house and she had just had her first episode physically and we were all devastated. She had coded and blued or whatever they call that. All I knew was that everything stopped. She was in ICU. Her body had filled up with about eight pounds of fluid, Sherry. And there she laid at Miami Valley Hospital. And there in that, that emergency, that, that ICU, I was, I was at my house and I was worried sick and we were all worried. We had just left there not too long ago. We had been with her for hours. And I was at my house and, and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to get in your car and I want you to go to the hospital. By this time, it's two o'clock in the morning. He said, I want you to go to the hospital and I want you to pray for your mother. I said, okay. I didn't know what was wrong. I felt panic in my heart, so I just did what any son would do. I got in my car and drove to Miami Valley. When I got in there, the, the nurse was like, what are you doing here? And I said, I, I have to see my mom. I, I just want to have prayer with my mother. She took me back there and let me go in her room where she was hooked up to about 20. There was about 20 drips going into her. Her body was exploded like a balloon, and she was filled with all this fluid, and there she laid between life and death unresponsive in every way and the Lord spoke to me and he said you put your hand on her forehead and I put my hand on my mother's forehead and he said now you run down the length 
of her body until you get to her feet. And I went down to her feet and then I touched her feet. And when I did, I felt deliverance. I prayed in the spirit and I felt the Lord. I prayed over her and I didn't know what else to do, but I just got up and I walked out. I left. No response from her whatsoever. I left and went home about 6.30, a couple hours later. They called me and they said, get to the hospital. That's all I knew. I was worried sick. I thought something terrible had happened. Of course, I, I thought, my goodness, what did my prayer do? I, I, did I send her to heaven? And I got to the hospital and I'm walking down the hallway. It's, it's about 6.30, almost 7 by that time. And I get down the hall and the doctor comes out of the ICU and sees me. And he says, have you heard? And I said, heard what? And you know what that doctor said to me? He looked me square in the face and he said, and these are his words. May I, I promise you I'm not telling you a feb or making up something that isn't true. My sisters will all attest to you that this, this happened. He looked at me and he said, I don't know how. There's no explanation. He said, but overnight, your mom lost eight pounds of fluid just like that. I said, she's awake in the bed right now. I thought you might want to talk to her. I walked into that ICU room. I looked over my mother's body, and she was all strapped down. And I looked down over her face, and I said, hey, mama. And she said, hi, baby. And I was like, are you kidding me? He performed. Because, see, they didn't know I was there at 2.30. I didn't leave till 3. So overnight, he said, she lost eight pounds of fluid no she didn't she lost it in a couple hours she lost it from the time i prayed because when i was there at 2 30 she was still full of fluid but when i came back at 6 30 she was completely completely gone all the fluid was gone and she was awake and she was talking to me as good as she could I tell you, I said all that to say this. He is a God of miracles, and we have to remember how big he is. We got to remember how big he is because life's problems and life's impossibilities, it'll start to speak to your faith. It'll start to discourage your faith, and you'll get hopeless, and you'll get depressed, and you'll start acting and looking like the world. You'll start being just as discouraged as they are. But I'll tell you, if you'll get a fresh vision tonight of who he is and how big he is and how awesome he is, I'm telling you, he can take that marriage and he can put it right back together. He can take your finances and he can fix them overnight. It only takes a couple of hours or a moment in the times of God for him to perform a miracle for you. He can turn it around. I said he can turn it around. God can do that. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and praise Him tonight. Oh, He's worthy. He's worthy of praise. We love you tonight, God. We love you. We honor you. You're alive and well. You're on the throne. We thank you for this truth tonight. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, I don't know. I don't know what you're looking for tonight. I don't know why you came out to the house of God. Some of you just love God's house and you're here because you'd be here no matter what. But I know that there are some, according to what he told me, there's some that's here tonight that you have got something. You, you came here needing something. You didn't just come. You came on purpose. 
I'm telling you, I'm believing right here, right now, this second. My goodness. If you could feel what I feel in my spirit, I feel that there is fire in this house and that God wants to do something and he has picked that spot right where you are. You know who you are. You know what you came in tonight. You know you needed something from God and you have got to have it. You knew it and you're right there. God's going to turn your very, that place where you're standing, going to turn it into an altar for you. I want you right where you are. Reach over and take somebody by the hand as they're with you. Now I want you to believe God right now for a miracle. All over this house, I want us to believe for the miracles that people need. I know there's many. I feel like there's many in this house tonight. And I pray that right now in the name of Jesus, let's pray together. Pray for that one. Lord, we come to you now. Lord, you said you'd be an instant help in time of trouble. That you'd be a present help in trouble. God, we're asking that you meet needs for your people tonight. That the power of the Holy Spirit be present to confirm the work that is being done in this house. I pray it in the name that is above every name. The name of Jesus Christ. Not in the name of a preacher. Not in the name of a church. But in the name of the Lord Most High. We thank you tonight. We honor you and we bless you. We give you glorious praise. We thank you tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. Meet the needs in our brother's life. Meet the needs in our sister's life. Touch them tonight. And may they leave this house. And when they get in their car tonight, may they know that they know that they know they have been in the presence of God and he has spoken to their need. In Jesus' name I pray. Oh, I thank you, Lord. Would you help me to give him praise? Let's give him glorious praise tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. While you're standing, I'm going to have you read the scripture with me real quick. I'm just going to carry on. I'm going to, I'm going to assume that what I have is in our word tonight is exactly what goes in line with what he's doing. Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 4. Just going to read a little bit. Title of this message, A Hero Will Rise. Genesis 37. And that scripture, somebody needs to write down and, and take it home. And you need to look at it for a while. Th Isaiah 35, starting with verse 3. You read that down to verse 8. And I believe the Lord has spoken that for you. The word is here for us. It's a tangible gift to you from God. And the word that comes to us tonight is that he's... God of the impossible. He's the God of impossibilities. That's what a miracle is. So if you stand in a place where you're like, mm, there ain't no way this is changing. There ain't no way this is going to get better. There ain't no way we're going to get out of this mess. There ain't no way that's going to get better. I'm here to tell you tonight, I feel an unction of the Holy Spirit to let you know, oh, it ain't over yet. It ain't over till God says it's over. It ain't over till God says it's done. So you have faith. You have faith and you believe him. Let him touch you tonight. 
Let him make you happy. Let him fill your heart with joy. He wants to fill you with joy unspeakable and full of glory. He wants you to have that peace. He's here tonight to give it. I'd give it to you if I could. It's not within my power. And if you come here looking for some highfalutin televangelist, you missed it. But I can tell you who the superstar is. And his name is Jesus. That's what, that's what keeps us all going tonight. That's what will cause you to be victorious. That's what will cause you to be an overcomer. That's what will change your situation. Amen. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Belial and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he had made him a tunic, a coat of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Father, touch us tonight. And in the time that we have together now to look in your word, may it speak right to where we are. Challenge us and speak to us by your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Now, I never get tired of the story of Joseph. Never get too tired to hear it over and over again. I love to hear messages on Joseph. I love to, to see the things that come out of it. It seems like every time I open the Word and I go looking for something, I find something new about Joseph I, I'd never seen before. You know, Joseph, who I'm talking about, his brothers betrayed him. Uh, seduction by a wife with a seductive eye was part of his story. Uh, false accusations, unjust prison, imprisonment. He was in prison for lonely nights for a long time. He had a, he's the guy that you've heard the journeys of him coming from the pit to the prison and then to the palace. But in the end, we know the story of Joseph is awesome. It's like one of those really good blockbuster type movies because at the end we know it all works out just fine you liked it when I said movie didn't you it all works out in the end we know that because in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20 you know it says one of the most immortal lines you know Scarlett O'Hara has a line I mean she's like you know I'll never be hungry again and she holds on to Tara and you know that's the big music going and it's awesome and just movies have these Wonderful endings that have these great immortal lines that you'll just never forget, you know. Tombstone, you know, I'm your huckleberry, you know, just, well, you didn't think that was a great line, okay. I love that movie. I love when something comes together and there's something that just ties it all in. And you can tell at the very end when the tests had taken place for the brothers and, and they ended up passing it and, and it all came back around and Joseph looks at them and says these immortal lines. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. When you look at that one little scripture, I mean, that is an amazing scripture. That's awesome. 
And it is that immortal line that gives us hope as well. Because how many times have you, have you looked into the face of your enemies, looked into the face of the enemy himself, the, the enemy of your soul, and looked at his temptations and looked at his schemes and his devices and his traps against you, and you've said, what you devised as evil against me, God has meant for good in my life. Oh, I've done that. I've gotten up and squared my shoulders, looked right at the devil himself, wherever he's hiding, and I have said, man, what you meant is evil against me, God means for my good. And I want to tell you that is the word of God given to you tonight to let you know whatever it is you're enduring or going through, whatever it is that you've had to suffer through, I'm telling you it doesn't matter what it is, whether it was meant evil against you or whether it was just somebody that hated you. Whatever it was, I'm telling you, it is God's good in your life. That's the word of God. Joseph was a man for all seasons. If anybody, I said this once, I said, if anybody ever deserved it, a nervous breakdown, it was probably Joseph. I mean, he earned it. You know, I've seen that little quote. I earned it. I worked for it. I have endured through this thing, and daggone it, I'm going to enjoy it. You know, I'm going to have myself a, a meltdown. He was chosen and then rejected, loved and then hated, favored and then abused, betrayed and then rescued. He was promoted and imprisoned, tested and rewarded. He was slandered and then praised. But in all of that, no matter what he went through, he literally was like a yo-yo for the devil and for his family. He had a dysfunctional family. Maybe you got one. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. His family was the epitome of dysfunction. I mean, if they had been on Jerry Springer, it would have been one of them knock-down, drag-out kind of shows. I mean, they would have been at it. This guy literally, he, he had a dysfunctional family in every way. I mean, come on. His brothers take him out to a pit, throw him down in there, then end up you know, feeling a little sorry. Some of them feel a little sorry for him. You think they're going to get repentant and they come back and do nothing more than sell him into slavery. I mean, this is a dysfunctional family. But in it all, he never, ever, no matter where he was, whether he was at the bottom of a pit, in a slave's bondage, whether he was in a prison, wherever he was, he never took his eyes off the Lord Ever. And that is the key for us. We've got to keep that in our pocket to always remember. Because the thing that the enemy looks for is he looks for a way for you to get your eyes off the Lord. He wants you to get your eyes off the prize, off of what the end result is. If he can get you all twisted up in the details, if he can get you all turned up in the circumstances, if he can get you all dolled up and bruised up and wounded up in all the junk happening around you, then he's already whooped you and doesn't need to waste another minute. He doesn't have to worry about you. But if you will keep your eyes on the Lord, boy, the enemy, he has to keep searching for some foothold, some place where he can get in there. But I'm here to testify to you. I've seen it in person. I've seen it in my family. I've seen it in my own life. And I read it over and over and over again from Old Testament to New Testament. If you will keep your eyes on the Lord, you will come through. And on the other end of it, pure as gold and on fire for the Lord with a testimony that will turn others to him. It will make a difference everywhere you go. God will never waste a trial, he'll never waste a trouble, he'll never waste a hard time or a, 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 a time when you feel like you've been discouraged. He'll never waste that in the life of a Christian. 
Don't ever think that you'll go through something that God isn't going to use it for good. Never took his eyes off God. Adversity. He had adversity and it didn't harden his heart. He, had, he went through prosperity and it didn't ruin him. Oh, how many people have you seen where prosperity was their downfall? God's got to be able to trust us with things. Man, here he is. He's gone through the gamut of it. He's had adversity and it didn't get him hardened in his heart. And then he went through prosperity and, and it didn't ruin him. He, he was tempted. He had that temptation of Potiphar's wife right there in front of him, of whole palace and all the riches of Egypt right there in front of him. And he, he didn't fall prey to it. He didn't let it destroy him. He didn't let temptation do that. Let me just reiterate again. There's a lot of temptation out there. There's a lot of things to pull you down and take away the calling on your life, the ministry in your life, to take away the good things in your life. Young people, don't let the enemy take you down a path that will cause you to end up in a slum somewhere where you can't pick yourself up out of the pit. I'm telling you, don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let him tell you that there's things out there that are better than where you have found the living water in here. Don't let him tell you the faith of your childhood is not the real answer. I'm telling you, he's still the answer to every human being that has ever been and ever will be. He is our answer in every, every adversity, in every temptation. There's lots of them out there. They'll try to take you down. But man, don't fall prey to it. Don't become a, a puppet in the hand of the enemy. He was in prison, and it didn't make him bitter. He, he went through that. He didn't know how long he was going to be there, but he, he wasn't bitter. And promotion, fame, power, it didn't change him. Joseph, he's a hero. He's a hero that comes up out of the pit. He comes up out of the pit. You know, I prayed this morning, and I was, when I was talking to the Lord, I, I said, thank you, Lord, because you brought me up out of the mire and the clay. You brought me up out of the pits the enemy had trapped for me. He wanted me to trip up and fall off. Every one of us, he's got a plan. He had a plan. And back in the day, I can remember the different seasons in my life when the enemy did his best to try to pull me off track. But I thank my God he kept me. He kept me. When the enemy thought he had me, he kept me. Jesus kept me. And I'm built and solid today, not because of who I am or what I have done or accomplished. I am because I have learned something. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his marvelous face. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim. In light of his goodness and grace, turn your eyes on Jesus. And I know I sound like Froggy on our gang, and, and I'm sorry about that. I've been sick for a few days. So that was the Rod Stewart version of that song. <laughs> but Joseph really was truly a, a great man. And if you study him at all, you know that from Exodus... From Genesis to Exodus, he's kind of like the hinge in between those two books. Genesis is the book of beginnings, and Exodus is the, good, the book of redemption. And he was kind of like right there in the middle of that. He was the hinge to put those two books together and to cause us to start looking to the future. He was the one that, that gave us it. If Genesis spoke one thing about creation and where we came from, Exodus 
was showing us what's going to happen, what the end of the story is going to be. And it's going to be deliverance. It's going to be an out of bondage. You know, we got the first two books of the Bible that tell us everything we need to know. Because you can even look into the life of Joseph. And if you look real closely and you study the word and you, you can't hardly believe it when you start paralleling the story, you'll see Christ. You'll see the Lord Jesus in the life of Joseph. It's so important that we don't forget the lessons that come from the word. The word is here. The reason that, that I spend so much time and, and we do in our classes and we do in our, our discipleship and in our ministries is that we want you to understand this word right here. That's, well, that's what you lean on. That's what you look to. Every sentence in this thing is inspired and God breathed. Every part of this is for your growth. You can count on this. You can stand on this. You don't take one and then throw it down and try to find another one. I mean, you literally, every word of this Bible is for you to hold on to and to trust in. It's important that we do that. Trusting in this word and even just looking at the life of Joseph. I wrote quite a few sermons down. Here's the sermons that you learn from one young man at 17 that started the journey towards the palace. Trusting God when you're in the pits of despair. How to deal with sexual temptation. How to redeem a painful past. What do you do while you're waiting on God? How do you see God's hand in everything by faith? How to make wise plans. How God awakens a guilty conscience and the marks of a true repentance. How to live for God in a pagan culture, overcoming any kind of lingering bitterness that tries to attack you, and even down to his very death, how in the world do you die well? There are so many sermons just in one young man's life. We should note that, as I mentioned earlier, there's also this beautiful picture in Joseph's life of Jesus. He was loved by his father. He was hated and betrayed by his brothers. He was sold for 20 pieces of silver, was falsely accused, judged guilty of a crime he didn't commit. He was abandoned and forgotten, promoted after his suffering, and the means of salvation even for those who betrayed him when he gave mercy and grace to his brothers. This beautiful picture of Christ comes looming up out of the Old Testament to show us what a masterpiece this is. Don't you ever underestimate just what a masterpiece of literature this book is. Every layer in this book, you ought to study it, memorize it, meditate on it, because there's things in here that are hidden, mysteries, things that you don't see. You can't know on your own. You've got to have enlightenment by the Holy Spirit. Brother Charlie and I have been talking about that. He sees things and writes things down that God gives to him. I'm telling you, there is so much layered in this, so many treasures in this word. You'll never, you can live your life to be 100 years old and have read this book and studied it every day of your life. And you'll never, ever come close to discovering all of the mysteries that God has that keeps coming out of this thing like living water. This book is alive. This book is so much Jesus, so much God and his love. And in it are so many things for us. But there's only two things in the few minutes that I've got. I'm going to try to get you out of here before the sleep 
makes the roads any more dangerous. Two things. The first thing that you need to know from Joseph's story that we haven't already kind of touched on. Some of you are going to go putting together some of them sermons. I know you are. But we need to look at a couple of things. One, because we read this so much and because we had the flannel graphs when we were young in Sunday school and because we heard it in children's church and because we've seen the movie and because we've done so much to know about this, we don't remember something about Joseph. We kind of think sometimes the people from the word are charmed and their lives are favored and, you know, they're kind of there and, you know, and, and well, you know, he's Joseph. Well, he was Paul, the apostle. No, I mean, he knew it was going to be okay. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Joseph never knew the end of his story. He knew about a dream. That's all he knew. But he didn't know how many times did he face confusion? How many times did he face woundedness? How many times did the plan go wrong? He couldn't have understood what corn stalks bowing down to him meant as a 17-year-old, thrown into a pit and sold into slavery when he was there being tempted and seduced by Potiphar's wife. He didn't see corn stalks there and Oh, this is all going to be all right. Everything's going to be just fine. He didn't have that. He kept his eyes on the Lord. But it doesn't mean he knew the outcome when he sat those lonely nights in prison, seemingly forgotten by everybody. Nobody remembered him. He didn't know the end of the story. We have, we have a problem that Joseph didn't face. Our problem with Joseph's story is that we already know the ending. And so sometimes it's easy for us to go, well, what's the next one? What's the next story? Because, you know, yeah, we already know this one. I've heard T.D. Jakes sing, uh, preach from the pit to the palace. <laughs> we forget to look closely at a young man who went through things that we've went through, who went through cancer who went through scares, who went through times of needing to have a faith charge. And yet, can I tell him? Elaine told me tonight, she leaned over and said, hey, I got my MRIs back, completely cancer-free and clear. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, they keep scratching their head. But she just keeps regrowing hair. God's got his hand on Elaine. She is, to me, an example of miraculous faith. And I thank God for her. And you're my friend. I'm loyal to you. I'll fight the devil any day for you. I'm behind you 100%. But we need to know that Joseph had no clue about his future. No matter how hard we try it's almost impossible to read it like he lived it. To read the story like he lived it. Because see, he lived it and constantly having to recharge his faith. Constantly having to remember the God that he had been taught by his father. Jacob had taught him over and over and over again about this God you don't fail in. And I've learned that. You know, Christian, you and I have a heritage 
tonight of our, our mom, my mom, your grandmother that poured into us, raised us up. I, I can't count how many times. It, it wasn't some big name preacher. It, it wasn't some big name evangelist. There have been times, Amy, that I've had to just sit down and remember what my mama taught me because she's the one I trusted more than anybody else on the earth. You know, and you had that with your father who was a pastor and a preacher. You've had that when your father was a pastor and an evangelist, big time for the church. You have these people in your lives. You know the mentors you had that have poured into you, that you trusted, that you had faith in, that you had confidence in. You watched them go through it. You watched them stay faithful. I'll never forget one of the times when my mama come up out of anesthesia after a surgery you know what's really in somebody when they come out of an anesthesia you know that they talk about all kinds of weird things you know they whatever was on their mind that's what they my mom comes out of it and we're like hey mom it's time to wake up come on wake up and she's like the fishes the fishes and we're like yeah mom what you want fish what loaves of bread and fish the, the little boy and I'm like we're like oh She's coming up out of anesthesia talking about the loaves and the fishes. <laughs> you know what's in somebody. And so when mama tells you that you can trust him no matter what, when mama tells you hold on to your faith and don't let it waver to the left or to the right, don't lean on the arm of flesh, stay true to God's word. When mama tells you that, you know how she's lived in front of you, and so you stay true to that. I see a lot of ladies in here tonight who've had good moms and sons and who've had good moms and good dads somebody said one time you leave dads out that's because my dad sits here on Sunday morning I just go talk to him but I know that you've had some good dads great dads of faith that were stalwart pillars in the church and they've poured things into you that have helped you to stay the course Joseph had to keep remembering I guarantee you, lonely nights in that prison, he wasn't sitting there singing kumbaya. I guarantee you, he had trouble sometimes. He, he had times just like you and I. He, he had to live through them year after year after year. He went through them. How he got from one place to the other, he scratched his head over and over again. How many times he found himself in the middle of what God was doing, and he found it amazing and unpredictable. He didn't know how God was going to do it, but he just kept faith in God. And that's it at the end of the day. You may not know how he's going to do it. Quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to figure the, the plan and quit trying to, to decipher how it's going to happen. And then when that doesn't happen, you get disillusioned. Why don't you just put blind faith and blind trust to work in your prayer time and let God be God and let him work it out. And you'll be surprised just like Joseph was time and time and time again at how he'll come through. He may not come through like you think or like you thought it was going to be or like you planned for it to be or like you wanted it to be. But I guarantee you when it's all said and done, he's going to come out and you're going to wave praise and honor towards heaven because he's going to come through for you. That's God. He comes through. And I've found him to be there. 
I found him to be true in my own life, even when I didn't understand, even when I went through the dark times, even when I've walked away from the cemetery and I've left a loved one there to be buried by the cemetery. Folks, I've walked out time and time again. I've watched some of you do the same. And as we've done that, we've also seen in the time that lapses after that, the good that God brings through that testimony, through that life, or through that situation and how we get stronger and better and we become better in our lives and we've always got that reunion to look forward to but I've always said and I know it's it's true I don't understand all the ways of God but I know that all the ways of God are right I may not even want all his ways I paused there on purpose it may not be that I even initially desire the path he's put in front of me. I may not want it. I may want it to be different. But I've learned and I'm learning to trust the Lord that in this is good for me. I might have to be sitting on a saddle with a burr in it. I may need to go through a cactus field for this season. I may have to suffer a little, endure a little hardship as a good soldier. But in the end, I'm going to come through. And when I do, I'm going to thank God for it. And there's going to be a good testimony in it. Why? Because that's God. That's what he did for Joseph. And I believe the God of Joseph is my God. He is the same God as the one who parted the Red Sea. He's the same God who dropped manna in the wilderness. He's the same Lord of glory who died on Calvary's cross to bring my salvation. And that Lord is going to take care of me. He's going to take care of you. If you'll stay the course and not get twisted up in the details. Don't get twisted up in the problems around you. Joseph didn't know how his story was going to end. He didn't know his future. When Potiphar's wife falsely accused him, he didn't have an answer. He was innocent of the charge. That's all he knew. He didn't know anything else. And you've got the same thing going on. You've got trouble. You've got things. You've got decisions you've got to make. You've got things that are coming at you now that you've got to make decisions about. You're looking at a situation in your life, perhaps, that that you're at a fork in the road, and it's going to go one way or the other. Let me tell you something. Look to God. What does God say about it? And quit trying to figure it out some other way. Do what God has instructed or what God has laid down in front of you and let him bring his deliverance and his peace into your situation. Oh, I tell you, there's no better way. You'll you'll live half. You'll be half. It it won't be full. You'll not be satisfied. I promise. I promise you, you'll not be satisfied any other way. There's only one way to know what God's fullness is all about, and that is to lay yourself at his feet and quit believing the lies the enemy tells you that it's better on the other side of this trial. It's better your way. Don't let him lie to you like that. I've watched people through my life and through my ministry. I've watched people as they have allowed the enemy to weaken them and to 
tempt them and to seduce them. They've allowed the enemy to get their mind so full of bitterness that Joseph could have had or unforgiveness that Joseph could have had or discouragement that Joseph could have had. And they've allowed that to happen. And they've become cold and indifferent. And they no longer hold to the truth of God's word, precious as they once did. They no longer hold to the fire of Pentecost in their hearts like they once did. They no longer want to do what God wants. And they don't no longer want to be a disciple of the Lord and give him everything and every part of their lives anymore. Now a little dab will do you. Now they just want to give him just enough so that he doesn't make them feel miserable. But I learned something and you probably are feeling it right now. There's just, uh, this, this is the truth. You get this far and you don't go all the way and you're asking for misery for the rest of your life. I said this this morning, some folks they get just enough of Jesus to be miserable, but not enough to be transformed. And that is the worst possible place you can be. There ain't no worse place to be than having just enough of Jesus that you're miserable. Just enough that you're bored. Just enough that you can't even feel his presence. You've lost the whole idea of what it was to know him, to feel him, and to sense him. You've become numb, cold, and indifferent, and you no longer even think the same. You, you've decided that what you had in the past was an emotion. It was something that wasn't real, and now this is real. Where I'm at right now is real. Well, one good way to check out whether it's real or not is where's the joy Where's the peace? Where is the faith to believe in a God of miracles? Where is that? So how's your ways treating you now? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. He's a very, very big God. And he can do very, very big things. NASA has pictures of, I forget the name of the, the, the spaceship. What was that? that, that went all, it's gone. It's still out there somewhere taking photos. What was the name of that? Well, it was some kind of spaceship. It took pictures of Earth and the universe. And there's a very famous photo from NASA that has this tiny dot in a stream of light, a thread of light, a ray of light that comes down through space. And that was this, this spaceship. What was it? I, I wrote it down. Give me just a minute. Because I want to I call that out to you. Stand with me tonight. Voyager 1. I'll be able to sleep tonight. Voyager 1. It's been sent on this mission. It's went 3 million miles so out there. Before it was ready to leave our universe, which is ridiculous, NASA turned the camera around and asked it, commanded it to take a picture of Earth. 
And when you Google it when you get home, NASA, Voyager 1, photo of the Earth, it shows what looks like the end of a pin. The dot on the end of a pin. Bam. Right in the middle of one little stream, one little ray of light, which is the sun. And I looked at that picture. And instead of thinking, oh my goodness, you know, oh, I, I can't believe how vast, how massive, how big, how unbelievable that is, I said, and you care about me? Ooh. You know where I am? You know where I am on that dot? I mean, every human that has ever lived in the history of all time has been on that dot. All humanity on that dot. Thousands of years on that dot. And you know where I am. How big is God? Big enough to care about me on a dot in the middle of the universe. That is unbelievable to me. And yet he says, I count the hairs on your very head. He's got the hairs of your children numbered. He's taking care of them. He knows where they're coming and where they're going. God's taking care of his business. He knows where you are tonight. Psalm 8, verse 3. When I consider your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained. What is man that you are mindful of him? I don't know about you. I need a big God. I need a God that big. And I'm so glad that I found him in Joseph's story because Joseph was on the same pale blue dot that I am. He was no different than me. He was on that very same dot, living his life. And God cared about him, made miracles happen for him. And Joseph's God is my God. Joseph's God is your God. You need deliverance. You need overcoming power. You need a restoration. You need reconciliation. You got a problem marriage. You got a problem family. You got a kid on the wayward end of life, prodigal. You got trouble in paradise. You got decisions you got to make, big decisions about your life. You're at the fork of the road. You need decisions made. God is big enough. He's big enough, he can turn it around. He can give you a miracle just as good as he's given anyone else in his word or on his blue dot. I want, if you will, to step out from where you are and to meet me in this altar, as many of you as will tonight. Come bringing your problem, come bringing your care, bring, bring your prayer need, 
bring that loved one you're praying for. Just come, just take a step out if you would. If you want to find you a spot somewhere to pray, that's all right. You can make an altar there or we're going to pray together. We love you, Jesus. Now, I don't know what you came down here for. I don't know what might be in your heart tonight, what you need God to do, but I'm going to believe him right now with you. Not for, oh, yeah, just get us through. Just, yeah, just get us through to tomorrow. No, I want God to get us through all the way to victory. How many of you need victory tonight? You need God to do something. You come down here with something in your hand. Look around, those that are lifting their hands. Would you just reach over and make contact with someone who needs special prayer tonight? We love you tonight, Jesus. We're here bringing every care and every need to you. Lord, I bring every family, every husband, every wife, every family that's represented, God, where they need you. I pray, the Lord, those that need decisions made for their future. I, I feel, God, those that or at that fork in the road, and maybe it's a career change, it's situations they've got to have an answer for, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you will show yourself mighty and powerful on their behalf. Oh, Lord, that you'll become the wind beneath them, that they'll rise up in strength and power such as they never even thought they'd have in their own strength, that they will feel it and know it's from you. I pray. For families, I lift them up to you. I pray for healing. I pray for reconciliation. I pray, God, for your strength, your love to guide them and to keep them. I pray in the name of Jesus for your presence to guide them, Lord, right into that land of plenty, that land, that promised land of the promises for their life. I pray in the name of Jesus. God, that son that's lost, that daughter that's lost, I pray for them tonight that your work and will will be done that you'll draw them by your Holy Spirit, cause them to be empowered tonight. I pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, let your will and your work be done through your, through your work, through your work. Lord, your way, not our way, but your way. Lord, we're done fighting in our own strength. We're done trying to figure it out ourselves. We're done trying to make it happen. Lord, we want to give it to you tonight. We lay it down. We give it up. We lift it up. And we ask you to take it from us, Lord. And oh, in that we'll receive strength. We'll receive healing. We'll receive that deliverance. And we thank you for it. For we give you the honor. We give you the praise. And we give you the glory. Lord, we'll remember this night. The night you came with rescue in your wings. The night you came with a word for your people. The night you came, God, with a promise. And we'll thank you and give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Oh, in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Hallelujah. 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 Can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Sing it one good time for us. Sing it. And then 
you change me? Be 